Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Du L and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. Today is August 12, 2016. Today we are reading from the AA Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and we are on page 89, the second paragraph, Life Will Take on New Meaning. And we're going to be reading through two paragraphs ending with, To Be Helpful is Our Only Aim. We will read the first paragraph for content, and the second paragraph we'll focus our comments on. Today's readers are Kimberly L., uh, 12 Steps, Diane G., 12 Traditions, and our readers for the main text are Nancy H., Lisa H., and Janice B. The reference number for yesterday, Thursday, August 11, is 8990. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through share experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our Message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Kimberly L. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Kimberly L., recovered compulsive overeater from Georgia. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God to another human being, excuse me, admitted to God to to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. With that, I'll pass. Okay, thank you, Kimberly L. I will now ask Diane G. to read the 12 Traditions. 
Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. from New Hampshire. I'm grateful to be here today. The 12 traditions. Uh, number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest money, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, Overeater OA, as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards, or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name might never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Duane I. Pat. Thank you, Diane G. Um, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on, on page 89, the second paragraph, life will take on a new meaning and we'll read through two paragraphs ending with, to be helpful is our only aim. We'll read the first paragraph for context. We'll focus our comments on the second paragraph read. Okay, and now I will ask Nancy H. to begin our reading. Good morning, everyone. Life will take on new meaning to watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. 
We know you will not want to miss it. Frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. Perhaps you are not acquainted with any drinkers who want to recover. You can easily find some by asking a few doctors, ministers, priests, or hospitals. They will only be too glad to assist you. Don't start out as an evangelist or reformer. Unfortunately, a lot of prejudice exists. You will be handicapped if you arouse it. Ministers and doctors are competent, and you can learn much from them if you wish. But it happens that because of your own drinking experience, you can be uniquely useful to other alcoholics. So cooperate, never criticize. To be helpful is our only aim. Okay, this is Nancy H., a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. And here they're talking in this paragraph back in 1934 where they didn't know many alcoholics that they could work with. In our case, all we have to do is listen to the meeting at the end of the second hour for people who request sponsors. We don't have to go out there and look for them. We also see people at meetings looking for sponsors. We also, what a, what a great way it would be to introduce them to the big book, you know, when they're desperate enough to find the solution. So why do we do this? Well, first of all, on page 14 at the bottom of the par- bottom paragraph, Bill says, I was particularly, imper- it was imper- particularly imperative to work with others. Secondly, it's, it's our key to living a happy, serene life. Um, as it states here, our own experience can be uniquely useful to other alcoholics, and that's because we've been through the ringer, and we know that there's a solution. We come to the other side after doing the work. Um, and um, let me see. We're instructed, you know, not to start out as evangelists, you know, lecturers, because we could use, you know, everyone could use this program. So I was at the beginning running out there and looking to tell someone about the program and how wonderful it was, whether they wanted it or not. And I have a special message of hope to pass on to others. But And while I'm doing that, you know, I'm putting a deposit in the bank to preserving my abstinence and my sanity. And um, I didn't understand, you know, page 164 where they say, obviously, you can't transmit something you haven't got. And I, I had to be fully recovered and have an in-depth understanding of the process before I could pass it on to someone else. I did that in the past, but I wasn't doing it according to the big book, and I can see the big difference. Um, in the first sentence of this paragraph, they say you're not acquainted with any drinkers who want to recover. Well, I find that, you know, really... Uh, determining if somebody wants to recover is not easy at the beginning, and I don't really see if they are willing to recover and go to any lengths until a, a work, you know, some of the work is assigned. And those who truly want to recover, you know, that's great. But those who don't want to, perhaps they're just not ready yet. You know, they're not desperate enough. They need to hit a, a bottom with their disease that makes them more desperate and convinced. So as long as I'm working with other um Alcohol, well, with other food uh, compulsive overeaters, I seem to have that underlying serenity on a daily basis, and I also have been getting more and more insights into my my own uh, recovery every time I do this. So I make it a point that I'm going to speak to someone and help work with another person, at, you know, every day, not just on a on a occasional basis. And I've told myself that you know at the beginning that it wasn't so important as long as I talked to them. Now I make sure I talk to them every day, and I make sure that I reinforce my program at the same time. So I'm grateful for this program, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. 
Thank you, Nancy H. Who else would like to uh, share on this paragraph? Charles H. Ronnie P. Okay. Um I heard Charles H. Um I think it was Lisa. Uh, let's start all over. Charles H and then after that Ronnie S. Ronnie P, I believe. Who else? Tina S. Tina S. Melissa C. Lynn Larry. S. Lynn S. Shannon S. I'm sorry, was that Lynn S or Shannon S? Shannon S. Shannon S. Lynn S. And Lynn S. I thought Larry. I heard you. And Larry. How about we start with those? Um, so Charles H., Ronnie P., Tina S., Melissa C., Lynn S., Sharon S., and Larry K. Um, we'll start off with Charles. Charles, you're up. Thank you very much, Duel, for your continued service. Team Friday represents. Shout out to y'all. Um, I want to drill down. This whole paragraph is good. This whole this whole big book is good. Um, but I want to start off where it says, don't start out as an evangelist or reformer. Unfortunately, a lot of prejudice exists. You will be handicapped if you arouse it. And um, I didn't count specifically, um, but... I'm pretty sure there's, there's at least an ex, excess of over 35 to 40 ifs in this um, working with others chapter. Um, is this the same prejudice that they're talking about in, in, in we agnostics? Probably. Um, and, 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 you know, many of us here on the line is passionate um, because we've been um, taken literally from the, the, the scrap heap of hell. Um, and, you know, and, and this might... This might uh, prejudice a lot of people as well when it says you can go to ministers and doctors. And, and, and I remember in There's a Solution, the book tells us in closing in closing that chapter that we, we don't want to write a book that, that's, uh, that's um, you know the word I'm looking for. We don't want to write a book that's controversial. However, um, we, have to, we have to put these, these point of views in there because it wouldn't be the big book without it. Um, so you know, a a a a, a great woman um, that's in this program once told me God uses broken people like me and you to help broken people like me and you. And shout out to Jan- Janice M because you know the twelve steps says we. Tr- and the end of the paragraph it says to be helpful is our only aim. We don't have we have the power to help people. We don't have the power to to make them recover. There's there's one that that has that power, and we just want to be helpful. Um, but there's more conditions coming. I don't want to let the cat out the bag, but now nah, Charles H. You already did. There's there's there's, there's a there's a, a condition on page 96 that's going to tell us uh, we find it a waste of time to work with someone um, that uh, will not work with you. So you know we we just trying to be helpful. That's it. And 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 yeah, when we help others, see working with others work when others work with others. So so uh, get to that place that you need to get to. I suggest you to do that. And if you do, hold on to the hand of a recovered individual and let them take you in a loving way um, through this magical, historical process. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Okay, thank you so much. Um, Ronnie P., you're up. 
Okay, thanks everybody. Good morning, Ronnie P, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Pennsylvania. The last line here, to be helpful, is our only aim. That's such a broad umbrella, and um, I'm looking for real specifics. And, you know, to be helpful, it's, yeah, but what's going to be helpful? You know, depending on who I'm working with, I don't know what's going to be helpful. And I can really get my ego tied up in that if I think I have to get this person recovered. Um, that can kick in for me. Um, so I have to remember to just keep dialing that back, just saying, okay, to be helpful. That's what I want to do. Okay, higher power. You're going to have to show me, tell me uh, how to be that because this person has me befuddled. And usually if they have me befuddled, it's because I think that I am in charge. Um, it, it comes from a very good place. You know, I think when you have really been just in the dark, dark side of addiction and then you're in the light of recovery, um, boy, just to see someone else in pain and to know what's available um, is, you know, it comes from a good place. And also, look, it's really hard to be with people who are actively suffering and who don't seem to get it, you know. Um, when I work with someone who is really resistant or they're not ready or they don't know if they want it, my heart actually hurts. It just hurts. I want them to get better for them, but I really want them to get better <laughs> so my heart doesn't hurt anymore. Um, but that's my ego. And if my heart hurts, I can give that over to God. Like I can use that feeling of my heart hurting um, as, a, as an opportunity to feel grateful once again for where I'm at to hold still and say a prayer and just say, you know, higher power, guide them, help them. Um, so I could use those aches and pains that I feel on their behalf uh, to help them spiritually as a reminder, you know, um, of, of how it used to be for me and where I'm at now. And so to be helpful, you know, it's, and I think depending on who I'm talking to, helpful is going to look and feel really different. But as long as I'm coming from a good place, as long as I forgive myself for not being God and fixing them um, and just say, that's not my job. And this whole thing about being non-judgmental, you know, I think, well, geez, I've got to be kind of judgmental. I mean, I need judgment here. Um, there's a difference. There's a difference between wanting good judgment to choose the right word and being judgmental. Um, so anyway, that's all I got. Thanks so much, and I pass. Okay, thank you so much, um, Ronnie P. We're going to move on to Tina S. Thanks, Stu, uh, for your service. Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Heard some really good things already this morning. Uh, you know, I have the opportunity today um, to be of service, and what a gift uh, not that I always think that way, but today I do. Um, you know, through my job, I'm not anonymous. And um, and so, therefore, you know, I have opportunities to be of service. And also, you know, I'm in another 12-step program, which also gives me opportunities. But, you know, I love what it talks about here. You know, let's not here be an evangelist or reformer, because when I first come into the program, this is certainly what I wanted to be. And then it says, you know, that... Um, I can be handicapped if this is the, is the deal. And that was my experience. That was my experience. You know, I, I love what it talks about at the end, to be helpful is our only aim, you know, to carry this message, this message. And, um, you know, over the years, you know, my experience has shown me that, you know, OA does not have a monopoly on God. You know, it works for me, but it may not work for other people. And, and I'm real grateful to have learned that because that's not the way I thought when I first got here again. And then it says, you know, 
I can be uniquely useful. And it's only because of my experience, my common bond, and this common solution. And, you know, I can't say it any other way except for that, you know, this is just the truth for me. You know, in, in all the 12-step programs, I certainly had wished that I did not have to come in, into Overeaters Anonymous. But the good news is that I had to come into Overeaters Anonymous because one day at a time, you know, this disease is arrested for me, you know, and I have been transformed. And what a gift. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Okay, thank you, Tina S. We'll move on to Melissa C. Hi, good morning. It's Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in the um, You know, I, I am well acquainted with many um, who I don't know if they want to. Well, I don't know if I'm getting a lot of feedback up here from mine. I'm sorry, there's uh, there's someone unmuted. Can you please mute? Thank you. You can continue. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Um, you know, I am acquainted um, with compulsive overeaters. Um, I believe I'm not sure if they want to recover. You know, I'm well acquainted with many who may have what I have. Um, you know, it seems there's no shortage of overweight um, and dieting people. You know, whether they have what I have or merely a weight problem, I can't diagnose. Um, but, you know, I'm so grateful um, that I that I got so fat because I'm, I'm visible. You know, today, um, people in my life, they, they can see, you know, for someone who might not have had significant weight loss, their ability to carry the message might be different. Um, there seems to be a lot of attention I get because I've lost a lot of weight and I'm living a recovered life. And I find myself being asked a lot about what I did to lose this weight and what it is that I'm, how am I eating? You know, my eating gets questioned a lot. Um, people seem to look at what's on my plate. Don't you ever cheat? Aren't you dying for some? Can't you just have a bite? Um, and I don't have to start out as an evangelist or a planner. You know, it's not my job to convince anyone. I just share my experience. You know, when I'm asked, um, I tell, no, I don't cheat. You know, I can't put those foods in my body and have a happy life. They they can't exist at the same time. And the miracle is I don't want to. You know, I get to say this and, and, and mean it. And am I dying, you know, for some? No, you know, that's the miracle. The desire has been removed. I was dying before, you know, um, and I tell that to people. Can I have just a bite when, you know, when I'm asked that? No, that's impossible for me. I tell my experience, you know, my um, uh, my inability to control the amount of food I eat. I share that with people. And um, I don't have to search out food addicts, you know. They're at our face-to-face meetings. Um, they're here. I get called on the phone. And when I carry the message, I have the greatest gift to share, you know, it's my story, my experience. My suffering is so valuable, it can be uniquely useful. Um, and I cooperate. You know, people seem to do this dance of reaching out and then withdrawing. That seems to happen a lot. And there's so much shame and embarrassment when they call after not working their program. Um, I don't criticize, you know. I, I, I remind myself I'm powerless to my disease. I'm powerless to theirs. And the definition of an addict you know, is doing the things you don't want to do and not doing the things that you don't want to do. And um, and so when people, you know, 
go in and out. Um, my job is just to continue to be helpful. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Fine. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Melissa C. We'll move on to Lynn S. Lynn S., you're up. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovering compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. There was a movie on TV the other day called One Too Many, and it was amazing. It was all AA. It was about AA, and, and there was this one bartender who was a recovered alcoholic, and he was speaking to ministers and doctors and things like that, and I thought, wow, he doesn't get angry. He doesn't get upset. There's nothing in there. He's just telling it like it is, and I went, my God, here it is right here. So cooperate, never criticize. To be helpful is our only aim. And I just... I think of myself when I'm trying to explain, I guess, away in the program to my doctor and to other people or just even even sometimes in working with others, I, I know I can get frustrated. I know I can hear that edge come in my voice and it's so unattractive. And to have seen this played out in this particular movie and to see other people do it in meetings. We have a face-to-face uh, meeting that's modeled after a vision for you, and I see it over and over again by some of the people who share there. And the calmness and the gentle explanation, the cooperation, the never criticizing, it astounds me. It, it just absolutely astounds me. And here I see it again in black and white, but the difference is this time it's really landing with me. It's hitting in my heart. To be helpful is our only aim. Cooperate, never criticize. Just, I'm so grateful for the book, you know, especially this and working with others. It's all right here. Everything is always all right here laid out for me. But when it lands in my heart, when it resonates with me, I'm always profoundly affected, and I'm profoundly affected right now. And with that, I'll pass. Okay, thank you, Lynn S. We'll move on to Sharon F. Sharon F., you're up. Hi, guys. This this is Sharon from Duluth, Minnesota. Uh, The particular line that says, hold on one second here, um, perhaps you are not acquainted with any drinkers who want to recover. Um, something that comes to mind is um, people that want to recover and people that are willing to recover. Um, I've heard from uh, other people on this line is that this program is not necessarily for uh, people who want it, uh, but for a a program for people who do it. Um, I've worked with newer people um, that are saying they want to sponsor, they want to get going to recovery, they want this. But the key word I'm finding is willingness. And as I start to like take a look at setting them up with certain um, footwork, I guess maybe activities or you know what it takes to actually be in a good um, sponsor-sponsee relationship and that there's writing involved, there's um, actual work to be done, I always listen to the tone of their voice. And this is after sharing my experience. So after sharing my experience and saying like, yeah, I really needed to do the actual footwork for this and that's what it looked like and here's where it led me to. 
um, you'll be able to see by the tone of voice how interested they are, how ready they are. Um, and then, you know, I do find a lot of times people will say they want it, but then once we start to lay things out for getting them going in recovery, the sometimes the excuses can crawl out of the woodwork and it's okay for me to accept them. You know, they might say, well, you know, I have to do this, this, and that. Jimmy has to get to soccer practice every single day. I need to make sure that everything is aligned around the house. And, you know, things that might be okay to put on the back burner so that people can recover and live. But that's not for me to get into there because they may need to go back to suffering a bit more. And that suffering, if I let them go back to it, you know, they may need it and it could be a beautiful gift. So I look at it in that way as to if they are not fully ready, there could be a gift of they may need to go back to some more suffering to really get to them to that point of willingness. Um, but I always remember back to my own story. You know, I had places of selfishness. I had places where I didn't want to um, go to any lengths, uh, but yet I still got going um, to a certain degree and then the ball kept rolling from there. So I always remember my story that I was not necessarily one of those people that when you said jump for recovery, how, how high is what I asked. Um, I, I had to go bit by bit and really start building on that. So it allows me to be a bit more compassionate with people. But then again, you know, when it says perhaps you're not acquainted with any drinkers who want to recover, um, I am finding that, yes, we can look right within our rooms um, and then also turn it over to our higher power. If we want uh, a drinker or compulsive overeater that really wants to recover, turn it over. And I've found that when that happens, lo and behold, somebody comes in my path that is looking for help. So a lot of times I turn this right over to my higher power, um, but still also do some footwork to keep my eyes peeled and um, be willing to share my story and share my time and focus with others. Um, that's what comes to mind so far today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Um, again, this is Shannon from Duluth, Minnesota. Take care, guys. Thank you, Shannon F. Um, we'll move on to Larry K. Larry K., you're up. Thanks. Thanks for your service, to uh, Larry K., recovered compulsive overeater. Um, it says that don't start out as an evangelist or reformer. I mean, nobody, and I mean nobody likes to be converted, shamed, pushed into a way of life that is, you know, at the very least is foreign to them. You know, remember in, in the beginning months of his own sobriety, uh, Bill, he pulled drunks out of bars and he tried to reform them, you know, by his own admission on the spot. He dragged them to uh, the Oxford group meetings at the time. Uh, he evangelized in the, in the hopes of performing a miracle. You know, guess what? Uh, it didn't work. <laughs> his, his preaching didn't work. And, um, you know, I, uh, I, I never want to justify intolerance for others under the premise that I'm merely passionate for the cause, because I am passionate. This change happened to me, so I'm very passionate. But I don't want to justify my intolerance for others, my disdain for others, what they are willing to do, what they're not willing to do. See, I'm, I'm not the higher power. I'm not responsible for what you're willing to do. I am passionate about carrying the message. You know, but the world, you know, is not going to judge me by my good intentions. 
it's okay that I'm passionate, that I'm, you know, uh, in, in the meantime, I'm shaming you and I'm intolerant and I'm not kind to you because my, you know, I, my, my intentions are good. No, it's my actions towards others that's paramount, of paramount importance. So I try my best. I try to follow these instructions to not start out, at least to not start out as an evangelist or reformer. I'm not trying to convert you to something. I'm just sharing my own experience. I'm sharing with you, you know, what God has done for me as a result of these steps. But, yeah, there's lots of prejudice that exists out there. So, you know, Bill is, Bill is sharing this based on his own experience. He, something happened to him, and he wanted to shout, shout out to the rafters. He wanted to, I, I can't show up to Dunkin' Donuts and drag you off the, the stool there. Um, one, I'm not going to do that. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Far better for you to be attracted to me, to what, God, what God's handiwork has been, what God's handiwork is, especially in the beginning. Um, so I'm going, to, I'm going to take these instructions uh, and work them precisely. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Um, okay, are there a few more who would like to share before we move on? Nessa R, Judy N, Nessa Reva. R, Judy F, Reva P, Reva P. Okay, we'll take those before we move on. Um, Nessa R, you're up. Thank you. Good morning. Vision for you. This is Nessa R, recovered in Toronto. Um, so this chapter not only gives us instructions on how to sponsor, but how to actually reach out to others. And, um, you know, obviously this book was written at a, at a time when the fellowship was minimal. Uh, and now we have the benefits of a fellowship where people come in of their own volition. Um, but a few of us still have the opportunity to reach out to others outside of the room. But even inside the room, people come in just to kind of check it out. And so this first instruction that is given in this paragraph when it says don't start out as an evangelist or reformer um, it's a very important instruction it says basically don't preach a solution to somebody who doesn't know or believe they don't have they have a problem you know um, first they need to identify in and come to the realization the conclusion that yes i have a problem that i am an addict i'm a compulsive overeater um, until they do that, you know, nothing else can really happen. I, I have an acquaintance who is uh, very, very morbidly obese and with a ton of um, serious health problems as a result. And I visit with her from time to time. And what I've tried to do is tell her my story and how I, how I used to eat because now, now she sees me in a normal body. She never met me when I was 70 pounds overweight. So it's very hard for, for her to imagine, um, you know, that I, I eat like her or I ate like her, rather. I brought a picture and I told her my story and she said to me, um, but I don't eat like that. You know, I really just have a small portion of, you know, this. I don't need a whole cheesecake, just a small flavor will be, will be enough. And when I questioned her, so like, where did all this weight come from? Um, she has no answer. 
But, you know, she it's evident that she, well, she might not be a compulsive overeater, but whatever it is, she's in denial. So what use is it for me to preach about God and the 12 steps? You know, if she doesn't identify in, if she doesn't see a problem, then um, she doesn't need a solution. So um, I, I don't push it because I don't want to ruin my chances. I just stay in touch with her. And we talk about the food and we talk about different things. But if I start pressing, I am going to um, ruin my chances of being helpful at a later time. So this is the first instruction. First, make sure that the, the, the prospect or the newcomer um, um, knows and understands and agrees that they, they do have a problem. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much, Nessa R. We'll move on to Judy S. Judy F., you're up. Hi, this is Judy F., recovered compulsive reader from Massachusetts. Good morning. Thank you, Do, for your service. Um, what comes up for me in here, unfortunately, a lot of prejudice exists. You will be handicapped if you arouse it. Um, and this, these two sentences, I think of the, um, we're taught um, out of this book that we don't um, argue, we don't debate, we don't fight, that we just lay out the tools for um, those that need it and want it and are willing to do the work. And I'm not trying to convince anyone that they are a real compulsive overeater. Um, I just know what worked for me. And that this whole, it represents this whole attitude of cooperation, of acceptance of the other person, of being helpful, and just sharing my experience. And I find prejudice in, in um, when I go to other OA meetings and I'll say I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, and I'll start saying, well, in the big book on page 84, it shows you know, what, how I have neutrality with the food. I don't want it. And I've found a lot of prejudice of that word. And I, I've just found that I just don't argue it, but I do say it's in the big book, and that's the textbook I use, and that's the experience I have, and I leave it at that. And then if they want to know more and ask questions, that's fine, but I'm not here to convince anyone that you can be recovered. Um, but I just know for me that's been my experience. And it's so simple just to lay it out, and then if people want to pick it up, they do. And if they're ready and they have that gift of desperation, but it's not my job to get them there. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy S. We'll move on to Reva P. Reva P., you're up. Good morning. It's Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. I, too, wanted to share on the sentence, to be helpful is our only aim. And at this point, when I'm at step 12, um, I have access um, and communicate with a power greater than myself. So for me, I need to ask how to be helpful because when I help people the way I think they need to be helped, I'm in trouble and they're in trouble. Um, so this book and this chapter is going to give me some instructions and guidelines, but I really do need to ask my higher power with each person in each specific situation, how can I be helpful what do you think I need to do um, to be helpful? Um, and, you know, when I ask how to be helpful, I have to remember, as other people have shared, I don't control the outcome. Um, and I have to watch my expectations. In my experience, um, 
I've been around a while and there have been more people who have totally disappeared and drifted away or stopped somewhere along the line in the step work than have stuck around. Um, and I have to remember that if somebody wants to really recover and is willing to do the work, whatever I do or don't do is almost irrelevant. They will recover without me. And if somebody isn't really willing um, to do the work, whatever I do, no matter how great I think I'm sponsoring or helping or um, being useful, it's not going to work. Um, and I have to remember to get myself out of the whole picture. Um, and helping is not enabling. And I've heard it said at a meeting, somebody shared, you know, sometimes the best thing I can do is tell somebody maybe to go back out and binge for a month um, so that they get more desperate. Because if I wasn't at my bottom, there is no way I would go to any lengths to do this stuff. Um, so to me, that was like a revelation. Um, so to be helpful, I ask how to be helpful, but I let go of whatever happens after that. And I love throughout this whole chapter, it talks about no pushing, no convincing. I share, I offer, and then it's up to the other person to take the responsibility um, and, and, you know, carry it along. With that, I pass. Okay, thank you. We're going to continue our reading on page 90 when you discover a prospect, and I will now ask Lisa H. to begin reading that paragraph. Good morning. This is Lisa H., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Tennessee. When you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous, find out all you can about him. If he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade him. You may spoil a later opportunity. This advice is given for his family also. They should be patient, realizing they are dealing with a sick person. Um, again, this is Lisa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Tennessee. And um, I, this, having not been um, reading this, uh, this particular part of the book, um, and people talking about working with newcomers and, um, you know, I've been on vision for you. I've been recovered for a while. I have sponsees and where I live, um, there aren't a lot of OA meetings, face-to-face meetings, and there's not a lot of recovered people at the face-to-face meetings, but I kept being stirred to carry the message, um, carry the message at, at, you know, in my area. Um, and so I, Um, Just this week, I was at a face-to-face meeting, which was a very small meeting, and there was a newcomer there, and um, the the look on her face um, and her countenance and frustration and bewilderment, really, um, brought back um, some memories in terms of how I felt as a newcomer. and so having a conversation with her afterwards, um, just offering to be a resource um, because she was so new. Um, the interesting thing was as, as I was leaving, um, she made a comment about how I looked. Um, and the interesting thing was that working this program, 
um, that now how I look in my physical body is just sort of a side benefit um, because I had to say to her, um, this is great, this transformation of my body, um, but but the, the best part of this program is the transformation in, in my mind um, and in my soul. Um, and so... Um, we did, you know, where it says we find out all we can about him, um, letting her talk about um, her frustration. Um, and, and it's interesting, too, because at a face-to-face meeting, so much of it is about the food. Um, and, and I'm on the vision for you every day, and that's so not what it's about. Um, anyway, so working with newcomers for me um, it's such an interesting, you know, I want to guide them to a vision for you. Some people aren't ready. Um, but I also say this is how I recovered. I followed these instructions in the big book, and I found a power um, greater than myself that could restore me to sanity. Um, and, again, by working with newcomers, by carrying the message, that's the only way I can maintain um, this spiritual life and this daily reprieve that I have. Thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Okay, thank you very much, um, Lisa H. Uh, I'm going to, my name is Du, and I'm going to shine in on this uh, paragraph. But before I do, um, I'm going to take about three more shares. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Mary G. I heard two people before Mary G. Janice M. This is Renee C. Janice M. Uh, Briella Fit. I, I heard Renee C. I heard someone um, in between Renee C. and Mary G. But Raquel. Janice M. Okay, so uh, I think it was Janice. Janice M. And Briella Fit. Okay, so and I heard Raquel. So let's take those, and I'm going to start with with the share. My name is Duel, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. Can someone please mute? Um, you're unmuted. Thank you. Okay. So, um, yeah, I love this paragraph because a lot of people wonder, you know, they start sponsoring, and they're looking for a new prospect, and the prospect says, I want this, I want this, I'm willing, I'm willing to go to any length to get this. And then, you know, um, they don't want to stop eating. <laughs> they don't want to give up their binge foods. Um, it, it's very clear cut here. It says, don't waste your time trying to persuade a person who does not want to stop. Okay, and how do how do how does it, that look in reality? You know, what what does that look like? Well, you know, one thing I learned through this twelve step is that your actions speak louder than your words. Your actions will demonstrate what where you're at. Okay, so if I have a prospect and I am going through um, identifying those binge foods with them, and I give them an assignment of how to do that, and uh, it shouldn't take that long. It should take about a day, you know, um, or a couple hours to identify your binge foods. But you know what? If they don't call me back, that's an answer in itself. If they don't want to or they call me back and they're like, well, you know, I want you to sponsor me this way versus 
how you want to sponsor me according to the big book, that's an answer in itself. You know, so actions speak louder than words. And it says, don't waste your time trying to convince a person. Person convinced against their will is of the same opinion still. You're not going to convince a compulsive overeater that wants to hang on to their binge foods. You know, um, it says, don't do that because you will spoil a later time, spoil a later opportunity for them to get this, realizing that they're sick that they need to go through a process of hitting their bottom, and that's the best help that you can offer someone that is sick like that, right? When they are ready, when they get sick and tired of being sick and tired of having those binge foods in their body and they're willing to give it up, then they're ready, you know, um, because they'll be more open, more receptive to um, accepting what you have to offer. But prior to that, you can't say, well, I'll love you until you can love yourself. Or, you know, or I'll just keep hanging on here, you know, while you get it together. No, because then you're not giving other people an opportunity, you know, for recovery. So, you know, how do you identify those that really want to stop? Well, you know, they're going to do whatever it takes to put down the binge roots. If they're not willing to do that, don't waste your time. And that's what the big book says, and um, with that, I pass. Okay, so we'll move on to um, Renee C. Good morning, Dave. This is Renee C., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Pennsylvania. Somebody is not muted. <laughs> um, thank you so much for your service and to all who shared this morning. I love this paragraph. You know, it, it gives me clear-cut instructions in working with a newcomer. And uh, and also in my face-to-face meeting, there are so many people that have had a period of recovery and abstinence and are in relapse, and I can relate to all of that. And I can really identify in with this thing about um, find out all you can about him, and uh, don't waste time trying to persuade him. You may spoil a later opportunity, and we're dealing with a sick person. You know, far be it for me to say that I am not a sick person. I am. But I'm a sick person with God's help, my higher power's help, the help of the fellowship, this wonderful, divinely inspired big book that I can get well one day at a time, a little bit better each day. I spoke with two newcomers yesterday on Vision for You, and um, it went really well. Um, the one person let me know that um, her phone was not going to stay current while we were talking, and I said we would talk another time. But I'm really finding that to keep what my higher power and this fellowship and the big book has given me, I have to work with newcomers, and this book is all about that, working with others is the chapter we're reading. So with that, I will pass, and um grateful for each and every one of you, whether we're abstinent or not. I have sponsored many people through the years and have had to sadly let them go, and some I've chased after, which really is not the way the big book is telling us to do this. And thank you again, I pass. Thank you, uh, Renee C., we're moving on to Janice B. You're up. Janice M. Janice M. Sorry. Okay, do. Thank you. Good morning to you, and good morning, everyone. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. 
you know, I refer a lot of newcomers that are just starting, not newcomers, but the people, you know, the members that are just starting out sponsoring. And I know myself as my own experience that when I started sponsoring, oh, I wanted to be the one that they would get recovered with. Well, um, let me tell you, we don't get anyone recovered. We cannot get anyone abstinent. The food will do that for me. It has done it for me, and it will do it for you. Um, You know, I'm not a recruiter. Uh, There's so many people out there that that want this and, and, and are willing to do it. Me as a sponsor, I can't give you willingness, and I can't give you higher power. Those are the only two things. I'm just here as a guide, you know. And in the beginning, um, you know, I have to be a good listener. You know, you can gain a lot by listening to them. And, of course, when you start working with a new prospect, you can tell a lot by their actions, like was already mentioned. Um, It's pretty hard to, um, you know, um, to really get this paragraph and think that it's a waste of time, but it's a paradox. It is a waste of time because I'm not the persuader. Like I said, the food, your desperation is the persuader. I think somebody asked the other day, How, I need a sponsor to get me abstinent. Well, there's not a sponsor in this meeting, nor in the world that's going to get you abstinent. <laughs> you know, you and your willingness and your higher power um, you know, we're not we're not powerless to put it down because I don't know about you, but I put the food down many a times. You know, it's the powerlessness when I pick it up, certain certain foods. So they say, yeah, but Janice, you say I'm powerless. Well, you know, I just told you, you know, you're powerless before you pick it up because of your mind, but you're powerless when you pick it up because the allergy will start start uh, you'll start craving. So, you know, and, and I will spoil a later opportunity for them because, um, I mean, through my experience, you know, if, um, you know, we couldn't work with each other, you know, finally they ate more or whatever happened in their life and they surrendered and they found somebody else. And, you know, God gives us recovery. My higher power gave me the recovery. So I'm not the one. I'm just a servant of my higher power. Uh, so there's nobody in this program that's going to give you recovery except your own willingness to do the work and then your higher power. Um, like I said, I am not a, a recruiter, and I don't work on commission. So, um, yeah, seems hard, but it's true. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Okay, thank you, um, Janice. Mary G., uh, if you can do it in one minute, um, I'll give you a minute. If thank not, you we'll so much. Close the meeting. Right. No, thank thank you. you very much. I really appreciate this. Um, I am heading out to work here, and I wanted to put my name and phone number out there. I am looking for a sponsor, someone to take me through doctor's opinion. I'm sorry, I, Mary G., Mary G., um, this is not the time for that, um, but you can give me a call. If you like, after the meeting, um, I'll be off at 8, or you can text me at 646-664-6551. Thank you. All right, thank you. Okay, we'll close up the meeting right now. Um, thank you for everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second hour, uh, unrecorded hour of our study, immediately following by closing. So. Um, 
those that didn't get to share, like Raquel E. and others that I'm more sure are dying to get into these paragraphs, we're looking forward to your shares after the meeting. Um, we will now close up with the reading of the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And I will now ask Janice B. to close us with the reading of our big book. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Do. Good morning, vision for you. This is Janice B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Vermont. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day. The man who is just... I'm sorry, someone's unmuted. Can you please mute so that the reading can be done? Thank you. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.